This is Steve Center, Lonely Guy with a Book Podcast. We're going back to the Stephen King Library today. In our last Stephen King edition, we reviewed The Shining, potentially the greatest ghost story of all time and potentially Stephen King's greatest book. We're going to fast forward 35 years to get to the sequel of The Shining, Dr. Sleep, also by Stephen King, written in 2013. Since this is a sequel, let's who, who are we bringing with us? Well, Dan Torrance. Now, in The Shining, Dan was a little boy, and we got to know about him. We're going to meet him as an adult. We're going to meet a young lady named Abra, and then a group called the True Knot. And we'll get to who they are in just a moment. Here is a summary from HarperCollins.com. Struggling with alcoholism, Dan Torrance remains traumatized by the sinister events that occurred at the Overlook Hotel when he was a child. His hope for a peaceful existence soon becomes shattered when he meets Abra, a teen who shares his extrasensory gift of the shine. Together they form an unlikely alliance to battle the true knot, a cult whose members try to feed off the shine of innocence to become immortal. If you didn't read The Shining, there might be a couple spoilers in that description. And I'm going to try to keep this spoiler free, but there may be some residual spoilers to the original book as we get into this. I first read The Shining when I was about 12 or 13 years old, and it was a horrifying book. So when Dr. Sleep came out in 2013, I personally had been waiting about 25 years to find out what happened to little Danny Torrance. I don't know that I knew that I really wanted to find out what happened until the book was released. And then I definitely wanted to know. There's going to be a lot of references to Dan Torrance's alcoholism. And that was something I really didn't touch in the first book in The Shining, that his father had his own struggles with, with drink. I do not think that simply being drunk would possibly have explained all of the things that Jack Torrance went through, but they certainly contributed to his reaction. Now with Dan Torrance, we're going to discover that he is, I guess the, the phrase that gets used is he's working the steps. If those of you who are not familiar, Stephen King has been very open about his own struggles with uh, drugs and alcohol. It is clear to me as somebody who personally has never had that addiction, but has worked with hundreds of people who have been through the AA and NA program that Stephen King is bringing some of that knowledge with him. And they just, they just say a handful of things that I say, Oh, you'd have to be in AA to know that that's a thing to say in the true knot. We are coming across our first, it won't be the last, uh, true real cult. Sometimes and I've mentioned this before with other words, but today some words get thrown around and they, they really don't have a, a meaning anymore. So the word cult kind of gets thrown at all sorts of different groups, whether or not they fit, but the true not are a cult by every definition. And as the summary told us, they're going around trying to get the shine from different people who have it. People who read Dr. Sleep after they read The Shining, may feel like some of their questions about what was happening at the Overlook Hotel get answered as King goes into much greater depth on what The Shine is and how not only does it impact 
the people who have the shine, but also what the shine can and does and does not do. There are a lot of really fun callbacks to The Shining throughout the book. So we we see lots of Easter eggs. Again, if you've read The Shining, they're they're fairly easy to, to recognize. And that is a lot of fun. We see a relationship between Dan Torrance and Abra. Now, Dan Torrance is a man in his 30s and Abra is a young woman who's 16. I mean, it doesn't, obviously that does not have to be a gross relationship, but it doesn't have to be an inappropriate relationship, but writing that can create kind of a fine line and, and King writes that really well. And of course, everything King's writes at this point, because again, this was released in 2013. He has been writing for over 30 years. I don't know if he's the best writer as far as using the most beautiful prose or whatever, but he's the greatest writer of our generation. And by the time 2013 rolls around, he is definitely, he's definitely in on his game. He is, I went through and looked and I just did a little research, you know, what were some second volumes that came at least two decades after the first volume that really made the series better? The examples that I found, actually the second volume all seemed to either be pretty average or made things much worse. And again, we're going to get to To Kill a Mockingbird. I don't know how it's possible to destroy the legacy of To Kill a Mockingbird, but it seemed like Harper Lee really wanted to try. For King to do this 35 years later, it's nearly unprecedented. How satisfying was the ending? It was outstanding. I thought The Shining had good resolution. And I don't, you know, we don't need every question answered. Where we are allowed to use our imagination, we are allowed to use our common sense on how things will work out. I think having things wrapped up tight is a positive for a book. After reading Dr. Sleep, again, I realized there were some questions I hadn't even thought of as I was reading The Shining. My overall rating recommendations. Five star, Dr. Sleep is not as good as The Shining, but it's still a five star book. Somewhere in the last 15 years or so, King really started to master his voice in a way that even more casual fans could really get into most of his books. There is some intensity. This would probably be classified as horror. It was not anywhere near as scary as The Shining was. But this is a book that I think even non-horror fans would really enjoy. You don't have to read The Shining to get Dr. Sleep, but it really makes the experience much better. This is Steve Center. Lonely guy with a